This is Hashtag Authentic, a podcast for creatives, dreamers, and entrepreneurs online. I'm your host, Sarah Tasker, a certified coach specializing in creative business and all things related to social media and the digital realm. This is episode 115. Hey everyone, so it's been a while. How are you doing? I am very good. I've been very busy over on Substack. If Substack is still a little bit new to you or maybe it's not even on your radar, you should definitely come and check it out. In fact, the new home for this podcast is over on Substack as well. So if you click the link in the show notes in your podcast app, wherever you're listening to this, you'll be able to come over to my Substack page and leave comments directly on any podcast episode that I'll be able to see and reply to that other people can join in with. And we can just have a little bit more conversation and community around these episodes, which has always been for me, one of the biggest restrictions of podcasting. I'm not someone who naturally is drawn to this idea of broadcast where I don't get to hear the other side. And I think that's why so many of my episodes are conversations instead of just me talking into a microphone. And so I'm really hoping that some of you will come over and we can explore some of the stuff that comes up in these episodes in more detail. And I can hear what you want to hear more of or what's working or what's resonating, etc. So you can Google Sarah Tasker Substack or you can click on a link and you will find your way over to my Substack where this podcast will be living now as well. But that is not what we are here to talk about today. Today we are talking about stationery. Oh my goodness, I have loved stationery my whole life. And it's such an intangible thing for me to even try and describe the the quality of beautiful paper goods of a really good notebook, of the way a good pen on the right paper feels, all of that that just lights up something inside of me that I have no name for. In fact, just the other day I was joking to my friend Keely that when the stationary apocalypse comes, I'm ready. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I've got all the notebooks and planner inserts and Greasy's cards. I'm ready. The stationary zombies don't stand a chance. So I was very excited to talk to my guest today, Katie Lemon, who is a British stationary designer. I first met her a few years ago when we were both involved with um, an event for Molly Makes magazine. And we had a conversation and I said, I'd love to have you on my podcast. And then as these things sometimes do, it kind of just slid and disappeared off the bottom of my to-do list somewhere. And then recently, she came up again on my Instagram feed. I bought one of her notebooks, and I was like, I need to talk to Katie. I need to ask her all of my questions about how do you do this? How do you go from being someone who appreciates paper goods to knowing that you can craft things that other people will love and will use? How do you make a business from that, from selling something that can be a really low-cost item like a greetings card that you need to sell at such a scale that it makes it make financial sense? How do you keep creating? How do you set aside the time to make things new and different again and again? How do you show up on Instagram to sell these things and everything else? Katie has such a defined aesthetic in her work, in her Instagram, in everything she does. And I am always so fascinated to hear the behind the scenes of creatives who have figured out their voice and know what they do and do it brilliantly and 
So I hope I ask your questions in this episode too. I hope it answers some of them for you. And I hope you love hearing from Katie just as much as I did. Here's our conversation. Hi, Katie. Welcome to Hashtag Authentic. Hiya. So for anyone who's not yet put two and two together and realised that they already know who you are, could you give us a brief introduction to who you are and what you do? Yep, I'm Katie um, and I've got a um, greetings card and stationery business um, just called my name, Katie Lemon. Um, we're based in London and I've been going for nearly God, 13 years now. Um, and we make hand-printed greetings cards, notebooks, um, gift wrap, um, and lots of other stationary bits. And I'm actually just going into also delving into the world of ceramics. That's really exciting. I need to hear more about that in a minute. So obviously this is audio only. I wonder if you can kind of describe the aesthetic of your brand in words. Is that possible? Yeah, so we're um, we're very... I guess quite minimal in design. Uh, when I first started, it was predominantly um, hand-printed cards using a rubber stamps or a letterpress. So it was very kind of black and cream. Um, and that's kind of still going now. We've, we have introduced a kind of soft color palette, but we're, um, yeah, quite contemporary, um, but with a very vintage sort of tangible, everything we use tends to have um, very obvious kind of textures of the papers are mm. like linen finishes or really nice and thick um it goes quite well with the hand kind of hand printed cards and and so that sort of side of things is very um you kind of i think that's i want people to when they see this stuff they want to they want to feel it um they want to kind of uh, touch it so i think um that's quite a strong thing in our aesthetic that it's very tangible um yeah yeah and i think kind of muted muted colors um We've got kind of quite strong sustainable values. And um, I think that comes across in the aesthetic as well. There's no kind of like neons and glitters. It's really fascinating hearing you describe it because that absolutely does describe your brand. And as someone who like, I, I'm obsessed, I've always been obsessed with stationery. I suspect you must be similar. Um, there are like this intangible things sometimes that just make it work. That's exactly it. And actually there's sometimes when we do a new collection or there's, something it's very instinctive and it's really hard to sometimes put it into words and I'm not very good with words generally speaking I'm um I struggle with that side of things I'm very I'm very much creative in that nature and I but when I um you know I don't know suppliers might send something back or Rory my partner might show me something I just be like mm, it's just not right it's just it's it's like the it's like a feeling more so than a necessarily yes. and you like it just looks wrong or you know I'm editing a photo or a picture and I'm just like oh it's just it feels wrong it's all it's very like that's how I tend to work it's also all about kind of the instinctive feeling and I think that's what I try and get through all our products as well if it doesn't feel right I tend to not run with it which must be quite tricky actually when it comes to marketing because you've kind of got two things you've got the tactile nature of it and you've got the intangible we can't find words for it between us yeah. nature of it yeah. and then you've got to try and like talk about it on Instagram where neither of those things can really be experienced well yeah I, I, I do struggle with that side of thing I think I um I, I still wish Instagram was just a place to share your pretty pictures where you can you know we've got some some beautiful imagery of our stuff that we do capture those textures but you know I feel like um it's getting harder and harder to get that to get that message across so it is about I guess kind of trying to getting it out to as many places and so people can actually experience that 
you know, actually feel it and hold it and touch it. Yeah. And I guess the other side to that is as more and more of our world becomes digital, the beautiful tactile paper things actually become more treasured and more important and more considered in our lives, maybe. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, there's, um, I don't know the reference now, but I know there's someone we work with on a, on a, um, like this poll thing in this blog recently, it was very much about how there's a very, I have to have to find the article, but there is an article about how, um, you know, in this modern world, there's actually a big draw that the stationery and letter writing things are really up and people want to send more cards than ever. And there is a kind of sense of people wanting to hold on to those forms of communication that mean more and they feel more. Like they, there's definitely, um, obviously, it's easier than ever to send a message or a, um, a text message, an email or whatever it is, a gif of something now. But actually, <laughs> it kind of then puts more emphasis on and more it, it being more special when you actually get a real birthday card through the post or a real letter through the post or a thank you card or something. It actually means more than you've got a gift card that says thank you, you know, in your inbox. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. It's interesting as well because at the moment I've been on an internet troll for my perfect journal. Mm. This is something that I feel like people will either get or just be like, what, you just go on Amazon and order a journal? Yeah. <laughs> I've just been on like every website because I want a B5 one and the size is just nowhere. Um, and I've really noticed actually that like it seems like the market's changed since I last did this and there's kind of the Amazon ones which are exactly the same and they're everywhere and then there's the small independents and like you guys mm. which are much harder to find now like the Google was not really bringing me anything up I was having to go into Pinterest and find it via people's Pinterest links and that sort of middle ground place where I guess like your paper chase or your even like your WH Smith like that seems to be really shrinking I don't know if that's just my impression and my poor googling skills or if you think that's true <laughs> of the industry yeah, I do think there's probably a greater divide. There's either the now probably more than ever, I guess, with the, with losing Paper Chase. And there is that there's a lot of independent stationary brands. Um, I think particularly since COVID, there's a lot of people that maybe it's a good entry. If you are design led and you like stationery, it seems it's a really popular like, you know, people people love stationery. And I think it's a really nice um, product to go into. So I think there's a lot of independent people making beautiful diaries and thing, um, planners and things. But and then, like you say, there's the kind of like mass scale, probably imported uh, mm-hmm. uh, Amazon, Amazon jobs. And it's as ever, probably, it's, you know, it's, it's really hard to compete with those guys on online but I guess it's finding those there are kind of pockets of um I don't, I don't know maybe it's just because we're in London but I feel like there's, there's little pockets of communities and neighborhoods and little stationery shops are popping up in them um and I think they are that kind of go-to they're quite a lovely thing to have in your community to have a little stop shop yeah go to and maybe even post it while you're there that sort of thing like I know we've got a couple quite locally to us but like I say I'm in London so it's there are kind of more options but I think the the losing kind of the likes of papers does mean there are there's it's opening in some ways it could be seen as opening up the the way for smaller smaller mm-hmm. people lot smaller people but um you're also competing with yeah Google and how it ranks stuff and all that sort of stuff <laughs> which is a whole more field one of the reasons that your stuff was still coming up was of course that you have wholesale uh, distributors as well have I got that right yes yeah that's actually predominantly our, you know, it's probably um, like 85% of our business is um, is still the wholesale side of it. 
And which side of it do you prefer? Um, I prefer the design side of it, <laughs> but the, I guess <laughs> yeah. and where where it then goes is it's more um, rewarding when you sell it to sell it to like, where you can where you can actually see the end customer, meet the end customer. But obviously, our, our um, even our e-commerce it's only it's only um, online. We haven't had like my favorite thing was when we had a pop-up shop. Like that's that's the best. Yeah. Like you can actually speak to the people. Everyone in there is a complete stationary addict like yourself. And it's like you go and you have those communications, and they're lovely, and they go away with something you really thought out. And although you can have those conversations, and we do, we have really good like. Um, relationship with most of our customers loads of people get in touch and like want some advice or want some help or they're looking for this for their and you know we have that but it is still that is slightly detached on online um mm. but and we also have a really good relationship with our wholesale customers some of them we've been with like pretty much for the whole time we've been going and we'll have meetings and chats with the buyer of a shop as you would a customer you know it's just a slightly different because they've got to then sell it on to their their kind of the public but it's um the same sort of passion yeah. I guess is driving it each time yeah I think I mean obviously when you're making something and you're kind of you're pouring your heart and soul into it as, as anyone that's you know that's, that's that's running a small business and is making something they love like it's really um it's rewarding when it goes right it's really helpful if someone says oh but actually you know like we've got some really lovely regular customers that are like point out stuff that's gone wrong or if they've like noticed something that's gone wrong on the website or they're like oh actually you know you haven't got this it's, like, it's amazing that we've got that kind of customer base yeah. um, you know obviously it's small compared to all the big um giants but it's really personal and it's lovely and you see you you know you know when you're packing up the orders you notice the same names coming up and that's really lovely to have so i think for me like design as a designer it's like i'd like to I love to be able to um, communicate with the end user, um, which is harder with the wholesale market. But then it's obviously um, it's critical for us to have it because cards, however, even you know the most hand-printed, beautifully embellished, perfect greetings card is still only going to be a few pounds. Like, so you need to, we need we need the mass volume of orders to make a business work. Yeah, yeah. And actually, when you said that, like, it's a very popular kind of. Um place to start for people with a creative business I was thinking that's so surprising to me because it terrifies me for that reason that the idea of like I would have to have thousands of cards in boxes yeah. under my bed to send out I mean, to actually, people. I could be completely wrong on that it just felt felt like last time I went to um like a trade show or something there was so many new brands and I've spoken to a few of them and they're like oh yeah well I was kind of designing cards through lockdown sending cards to people and then I've kind of just evolved it but actually that's because of that's the industry I'm in I'm sure if you're in jewelry they might be like oh I set this up during you know I don't I don't know maybe yeah I, I think you're right though I actually do think you're right and I, I see all the time on Instagram people who have made like our planner, their perfect planner that they they now yeah, I've seen some print business. and sell. Yeah, they they literally have got a whole business around them like making their perfect planner. Yeah, yeah. That's who you should go to for your planner, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be one of those people, aren't I? I'm like having to make my journal at this rate. The other thing that really struck me, you said you like the designing, and this is so often the case, isn't it? Is that you got into this business presumably for the love of the designing? Yeah. But along the way, you have to become so many other things as well to the business. Like, yeah. how has that journey been for you? Have you kind of loved it? Would you, in an ideal world, just design all day still? No, I do. I actually do. I do like pretty much every angle of it in in small quantities. I think there's 
it's tough because I've, I'm um, like I'm not like I said earlier. I'm not really very good with words. I'm constantly having to have everything spell checked a hundred times. I'm um, I'm not, you know, I don't I don't see the kind of I'm probably dyslexic, but I don't see I don't that sort of side of it. I struggle with I struggle with the marketing side of it. It's very hard to sell your own product. I think I'm I yeah side of things really hard and and easier now because I've not on my own doing it like when I was first started and I literally did every single side of the business um I find that harder we now have someone that concentrates just on sales for us and then Rory manages our kind of like key big accounts and I think um as I've evolved as the company's gone on I always try to dedicate the time to doing design not just when I have to do it like a you know Christmas is coming up oh I need to release something or someone's deadline for this and I I prefer and the the best work comes if I'm just designing on my own time frame and my own kind of schedule um but obviously as as life goes that's not always Hmm. um the way and especially since having children it's a real struggle to kind of carve out the time because essentially I'm someone that would do I prefer to get like my rubbish jobs done and then I can sit and design. But essentially the yeah. point with that is that you never get to sit and design because before you yeah. do it, you've done your list of to-dos and then you're like, oh, I've got to go to school pickup or I'm exhausted or, um, you know, I've actually... I haven't eaten or... <laughs> and actually inevitably because of, you know, the nature of our business is very small and there's always something that's up and some you know whether it's like oh we've got a problem with one of our wholesale customers they just want to check something through with me you know all those kind of like little bits Mm. I think there's a mountain behind every small business I think and I mean the last couple of weeks we've 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 really felt that I think that um you know the last couple of weeks for us has been really really busy we're in the process of um launching a new website and like the amount of work that goes on behind the scenes Mm. that is something you never ever thought you'd ever be able to do or but it's just slowly, like the jobs I do now, if you told me at like university, I'd be doing them, but like, I wouldn't have a clue where to start. But you just kind of like, you do it, you try it once because you have to, and then you try it, you have to do it again. And then you, you know, because you can't afford someone else to do it. And then before you know, yeah. it's basic knowledge of, I don't know, email marketing. And then you've suddenly got basic knowledge of inventory on a, I don't know, account software or something, whatever it is. But I remember, yeah, yeah. You just slowly kind of like, bit by bit I think if you try and think of the bigger picture of those things and that's the thing where it must be quite daunting I think I I didn't ever oh there's a siren <laughs> stationary emergency <laughs> um I didn't ever set out to kind of start a business and I think if I had the nature of my personality would have bit would have run away um I would have been like that's too overwhelming it's too like I can't start business I'm not business-minded but actually I started very much with like oh I want to make some cards and I like doing drawing and I want to be an illustrator and I want to be a graphic designer and um then I just started selling stuff and then it was like oh so and so wants your cards so I'll send them to them and then before you knew it it was like oh actually I've been doing this for a few years and my day job is or like you know your part-time job doesn't is haven't really got time to do that anymore and actually I got paid by from doing that you know and it, it kind of it's been a very very organic growth I haven't I didn't ever come out with a business plan and I'm going to do this and I'm going to be in here and I'm going to I just don't think that would have like that would have been too daunting for me and I would have I would have considered all the things that I couldn't do probably um that I've yes. managed along the way to teach myself or get help with that's so fascinating. Do you think then now you've got more confidence that if you 
do see things that you're going to need to be able to do on the horizon as you're a little bit more kind of ready to face them or are you still that person that needs to surprise yourself no I am and I think I've definitely got a bit more of a um I think since having children as well I've been a lot more I'm much better with my time and much better at prioritizing and um and putting things in perspective I think I'm kind of like this will have to get done when it will get done and if I don't know how to do something it's okay I don't have to necessarily do it I can actually mm. advice and I can seek that help and um it's it's I think that was the hardest lesson for me because I was such a perfectionist in, and and such a um you know, like when I, like I say, when I first started for the first few years, it was me that did everything. And then my sister has started helping. My mum started helping. Then Rory joined. And it was like, it was, I think someone gave me the advice of like, if you can, if someone else can do it 80% as good, then yes. and that's actually, that's okay. Because actually you've got, you know, I see it all the time. Like we've been doing this website this week and I'm like, oh, just left a bit, right a bit. And you know, like, you know, I know what I want it to look like, but to try and, get that across and also all those little things that you see that anyone else doesn't see I think I've learned to be a bit more like put this in perspective I've got an hour to work on this today and I can only do so much and then my kids need yeah. me or and then I have to stop because um I think before I didn't I had the luxury of time I'd work until whatever at time in the in the evening and then it was only you know when you're first starting and you haven't got the responsibilities of kids and stuff that you can just you can just get lost in it all and, and 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 although you're working very hard you're probably not working very smartly and not very working very efficiently yes and it's easy to then think that the success you have achieved is because of that sort of over perfectionism and so then letting it letting go of it becomes really difficult because you don't realize actually it was never about that really anyway yeah oh completely yeah and I think sometimes also that your biggest like it sounds cliche, but your, your biggest learning curves do come from when things go totally tits up. Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> um, I'm really interested how the family business dynamic works for you then. So we, we mentioned at the start of the call, my husband Rory working for me has its, yeah. has its obstacles. We both have a Rory husband. Um, yeah. But you have, you have, like, your whole family in there. So is it harmonious? I don't think again I would have gone oh let's start a family business so when I started the business in um 2010 um I was um I wasn't with Rory and I was I was um I started just like I say very organically kind of doing a little bit of freelance work and then getting fed up with um how the people you know I was like this print design actually I pictured it on a notebook a duvet and it's gone to and I was just I guess over controlling the process and was like oh sod it I'm just going to do my own thing with it um and that's kind of how it how it started um and then it was a natural thing to put it onto stationery because I love stationery and it was also it was a it was a cheaper thing you can't suddenly start a, you know a clothing company without a bit more money right that's that's stationery was like a few more cards or were easier to do and then it was really that my my mum started helping me because she just um, she'd taken early retirement and my sister was on maternity leave and I had a big order from I think it was Waterstones hmm. I had this big order come in and it was I mean I say big order at the, t at the time it was huge I think it was only I say only it was two thousand cards which is a, it was big huge for me at the time yeah and I was like hmm how am I going to get this done in you know and they, they <laughs> there's huge kind of expectation of when you have it ready and even though they're all individually hand printed I was like okay yeah of course I can do that and then you can't say no to Waterstones yeah, 
Exactly. And then, and then my sister was on maternity leave, so she started just lending me a hand off my like off the kitchen table at my mum's house, and we cleared out the like this kind of food cupboard and kept all our stuff in there. And that was literally like studio home for for um, the first like year or so of her, of them helping me, while my niece was like crawling around the floor and stuff. And and then my mum was just dipping in and out of stuff and and kind of again just helped help me out. And then after. Um, it just kind of another, you know, another order rolled in and I needed more help. And that kind of by the time my sister had kind of was due to go back to work, she went back to work for, you know, I think a six months or a year or something because it wasn't kind of consistent and reliable enough. But then it was like, actually, you can make cards around kids a lot and print cards and pack cards. So it was essentially at the start was just just doing the production line. So card, envelope instead of card, cellophane sleeve, sending it off to whoever it was, um, sticking a barcode on it, that sort of thing. And it was very much production line stuff. And it was it was really convenient for her at the, at the time um, because she had, uh, yeah, young kids and it and it just worked. And then kind of over time, it just kind of became more and more formal. And she now runs, yeah, all the production side of it. And we'd be like totally lost to that. She's, she's so different from me, like we're so, so different. She's very, um, I mean, ridiculously organized um, and necessarily <laughs> creative. She's she's kind of like, if you tell her, ask her at any given time, you know, where a certain order is or what certain, and she'll just know it off by heart in her head where, where this is, what it is. And, Amazing. Um, and it's brilliant like that. And, and have someone, you know, that you trust and that you can kind of, if you have to on those occasions that you have to call upon them at the, you know, oops, I've missed this and this should have gone to this supplier at this time or this should have gone to this store and they were expecting this, can you quickly go in and do it? You know, there is that kind of freedom um, in the same way as she's like, you know, for her, it's the flexibility with young kids, having a job where you don't have to be like, oh, I can't come in because they're sick, you know, it's, it's just, it's a nicer working environment. Um, but I think there's times where it's hard for you then go to like, I don't know, a family birthday. You just have to be really careful not to start talking about work outside. Oh, yeah, that's and true. Makes it even harder to switch yeah. off. It does, yeah. And I think, or if something's really pissed you off at work, you're like, okay, I need to I need to stop that thinking about that outside of work. But I think, I mean, for me and Rory, it's even more intense because obviously we live together, we've got kids together and we've got the business. Um, and that's been well, 2003, so eight years now. And we kind of get just said after we were like, let's give it six months and let's have like a formal meeting, put it in the diary, and we just have to speak our truth, like just say exactly whether we're happy, whether we're whether it's working. Um, and obviously there were teething problems at first. I think um, there was a few things that was like I just wouldn't do it like that. But that would have been with probably anyone. Um, but mm. I think you have um, like a you're a lot more honest with your partner. <laughs> definitely wouldn't speak to even like my sister I'm, I'm more honest with Roy than I would be with my sister like I just you just have that kind of like no bullshit like you just totally. straight to the point but it's and again we, we're kind of he's very good at um switching off and being like that's work this is not like whereas I'm I'm less so but he's better yeah he's good at really good at reining me in with that sort of thing and now I realize that you know it's taken a, a few but there's there's certain elements of the business that we just wouldn't have without his input there's um the sides of it you know that his love of kind of like spreadsheets and organizations and um I don't know analyzing prices and thinking of like 
he's very much like an ideas man and then I kind of like execute them in terms of design and then um nice. in terms of ideas like or like um all the kind of crap that you don't want to do with a business he doesn't mind <laughs> oh my god amazing yeah. Does, do any of these people want to come and work for me they sound amazing and <laughs> coach your entire family it's good the only, I think the hardest thing is probably the fact that you're all your eggs are in one basket so when we do have you know tough months and um hard yeah. hard hard years you know like covid years um mm. when business is tough you're like all like our entire income like is rested on this business doing well and we've got two children and a house and this we have to do well and then you know and if something goes wrong you're like i don't want to have to like make my sister redundant so this has to so there's a, yeah. like, a greater pressure i think that that I mean, that's saying that I would feel the same about the people that aren't related to us. Like the, the, like our sales girl has been with us for like five years now and she's like one of the family and I would feel just as bad for her. But there's definitely a personal like, you know, like you there is definitely that person you take the weight of their kind of like, mm. um, their needs, um, especially like, you know, the cost of living, everything at the moment. It feels like, you know, I'd love to be able to just give everyone a big pay rise, but I can't. So yeah. I think that's the yeah. and I think you feel a lot more with your family so I guess it's more emotional ties which can be tough yeah that's what I was thinking as, as I was listening is because it it is so much responsibility anyway running a business and then being the breadwinner that's huge but then yeah also to know to, to see very directly because it's family like the impact yeah, of all exactly. those things totally you talked about switching off and and the difficulty of that do you still work from home? Do you have a studio space now? Like, how do you manage that? Um, we have a studio space, but it is really conveniently located. So it's like at the end of our road and about five minutes from um, our son's school and nursery. So we are, we've made we've made life very convenient for ourselves. Like we've kind of sculpted out a life that suited our needs. Like before we were traveling all over the place, we were from home during COVID and I had our second little boy after, just before COVID hit. Um, so we always knew we were going to, we'd got rid of one studio just before and Rory was going to work from home and then actually had to work from home. But, um, the plan was always for that first six months to kind of, we got rid of our studio because we were in between, um, we'd had a pop-up shop and then we were like, well, what after that, we'll just have some time not paying for a studio. We can go out to, um, work from, um, the Essex studio if we need to. And, and while we're in London, we'll just work from home slash but then we soon realized we needed a base here like our our house is too small to do it all from home and mm-hmm. and needed that separation so once um yeah we found we've actually got yeah perfectly located studio that's um it's just really convenient I think if we you know the whole benefit for us of working for ourselves is that we make the lifestyle want from it I think that was really important for us like I was like why am I busting a gut to go here then everyone to suit someone you know someone that works for me's commute and actually I'm like what about what about us like this is yeah so we kind of actually and now we've we've kind of just rearranged everything like we it's only Rory and I that work uh together from the London studio because it's the only place that's convenient I think the the rise of uh, working from home post-covid has just meant actually you know what people we like the production studio has to has to run in kind of um you know you can't move all that anywhere but the anything mm-hmm. done by home or by wherever someone wants to work like that that's fine by us it's just we need somewhere outside the house without the kids in it <laughs> to yeah. to come and concentrate um so we've got yeah a small studio near our house which is very peaceful. well I say peaceful. it's got sirens running through it but it's just us here <laughs> 
Um, and how do you then, you mentioned earlier about like carving out time for design away from things. Do you have a routine for that? Do you have a ritual for that? Or is it just grabbing it when you can? Um, I have a, I, I try to start one and then I go and then I don't stick to it because essentially yeah. when it gets too much and I'm like, right, I haven't done enough. Uh, you know, the, the scales have been tipped too far in the kind of admin and stuff. like. And that will really vary throughout the year, like month on month. Like I know, for example, September is a real like admin launch role. We're setting up Christmas. We're launching this. It's a busy time for wholesale. I know that I'm not going to get much design time in September and I tend to get tend to know that that will then be sort of November time is when I really am cracking on with loads of designs for January. The problem is if in November I'm then like, oh, I'm really deflated. I haven't got any inspiration. Mm. It's hard because it's like I need to design this, but I haven't really got the, the vibe to. And equally in the middle of September, you might be like, oh, I just want to sit and draw. But actually I need to do all these other admin jobs. Um, but I have got used to that flow now. So there are certain times of the year that will be more, lent, you know, that lend themselves to um, design for us. Um, and I just have to kind of, I think it's more, it's, it's, it's really just me. I'm definitely like, I just think I have to be there to, you know, to be, to be answering emails every second. And it's actually like, no, you know what, the world's going to fall apart if I go to a museum for the day. I remember one, a couple of years ago, I went and did, I was feeling a bit like overwhelmed with all the business side of things. Cause like I said, it doesn't come as naturally to me. And Rory was like, just go, go out, go to a few exhibitions. Um, and I just spent like two or three days wandering around the Barbican, um, few little shops, like exhibitions. And I came away with like this whole new collection that's literally like still one of our best selling ranges. And I was just doodling essentially, but it was just like oh, yes. really peaceful. And I just, and I saw, I said, say to myself, like every month I'm going to do at least like, couple of days where I go and do that and then realistically design wise it comes you know in my structure of my day I kind of tend to get you know any any urgent kind of um you know any anything that's gone wrong or any urgent jobs that need to be done in the morning and then I tend to kind of come to my more design things but I'm in the afternoon but again it's it's that's like that's crept into um you know the school pickups creep into that quite quite mm. you know suddenly you blink and it's three o'clock or even if they're doing something after school it's still you blink and it's five o'clock but oh good yeah so I think now I'm I'm kind of going to that like actually carving out that time going back to being a bit more rigid with it I kind of you know the the rain stuff and you just let it go a little bit and then you realize actually I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed I need to go and kind of get that space headspace again because for me, it's 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 mental headspace I need to then, and then it kind of comes quite naturally, I think, and kind of, um, I'll be constantly like collecting things. I might see things, or I don't know whether it's like a scrap of a tissue or a thing, and I'll have loads of things like that. And it's like just sitting down and just allowing myself time to look at them all and think, yeah, ah, what do I like about that bit of paper, and what is it that I want to achieve? And I think what I need to do, what I know I need to do, is what I just need to kind of almost like on the days that I'm designing, just don't try and do anything else. Um, just allow yourself to be immersed in that. But in, you know, in, <laughs> in reality, often I'd like. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so more, like I said, more at certain times of the year, it feels, like, easier to do that because the kind of, like, day-to-day -day stuff has died down slightly. Um, so we're getting to that period now. <laughs> yeah. And then you're so right, though, because something like going to walk around a gallery it's so incredibly important to your creative process, mm -hmm. clearly. And yet there's this whole part of our brain that thinks it's just 
like optional or wasteful or indulgent or something along those lines, right? You feel like it's way too indulgent. It's such a luxury. And I, why, you know, I've got other things to do. And, um, you know, especially if like at the moment it's busy at like production side of things. So I'm like, oh, I should maybe I should go and help them. And I'm like, actually, that's not going to drive the business forward. So I'm really no. going to have this dialect to myself of being like, but I don't necessarily always take the advice. But I'm like, you definitely, like you going to pack a few cards, yes, that might help production, but that's not actually going to help the company move forward. So you need to continue to walk in, in the direction of travel rather than you know, joining the back of the queue and starting, you know, packing cards and stuff. And because actually, although that said, I do, that's honestly one of my favorites, favorite things to do still. <laughs> Where I could just like an order would come in, I would pack it, finish it all off, send it out the door. Like the simplicity of those yeah. dates feels like you know a long time away. But I, and I actually sometimes go and do that just for kind of like to connect to the product again. I think sometimes you can you can um, lose yourself in the kind of like admin and stuff of everything. And yeah, the higher level kind of yeah. theoretical side of it. Mm. Actually, sometimes when you go and you do that. I find I'm so much more like I'm like why do we why do we still do this or why do we have this card when this mm. like, I don't actually like it anymore or it doesn't really connect with me anymore and it's just like, who would buy that like you know it's only like this Christmas when we were looking through I was like we've still got a thing that says together again at Christmas I mean that like COVID we were allowed to be together last year like that can't that's not going to sell let's not make that like this but sometimes you have to be in it to see it I think you, it's hard to kind of keep track of everything but when you're actually visiting, yeah or, I think it's so I think there's yeah I think there's different elements of the um to the business and make I think that's it's really important to get back to actually working with the product packing them up and, and seeing what works and what doesn't work um because sometimes also when you're doing it all from a like screen or something it's hard with you know you can actually lay all the cards out in front of you and have a kind of good crit on what's working and what's not is really helpful I wonder then looking back to the very beginning of this business what advice might you give yourself looking back now if you could mm. um what advice that I didn't follow or just generally <laughs> either way like maybe like hey you're going to decide this and it's a great it's a great choice well done past self or maybe like you, di you didn't need to do that line or you didn't need to worry about that thing? Or... I think I've done things in the past, like design collections that I, yeah, that I think your audience might want to see. Like I remember I had a couple of stores when we first started um, saying, oh, it's just too, um, it's too neutral, your palette's too neutral. And what I would now say to myself is that's fine, that's because it doesn't suit your, your shop. And then going and then I created this like collection that was I mean it actually did do quite relatively well but it was it was called the neo craft collection it basically had neon envelopes with the with the black and cream cards and I was just like now looking back I'm like that doesn't sit with anything we did really but I was doing it to kind of like tick a box to be with we can do bright too mm. authentic to the brand it didn't feel um it didn't feel right and we, we kind of like relatively quickly like it, it it kind of came and went and we haven't done anything like that we do have some, obviously we have color and stuff in the brand but not um they're always very soft and muted and i think being true to what you do and having your kind of like that's what makes your brand that there are amazing neon neon card brands out there and like that's not us and that's fine and that shop that wanted those things just needs to find someone else it's, it's just that it doesn't suit us and i think mm. I wish that you know sometimes you have 
um, you kind of know it, but sometimes you can get convinced that you should be doing something else or because someone else has got more success in certain areas, you're like, oh, maybe I should be doing yeah. But actually, you know what, that's not what you do. And doing what you do and doing doing that well and sticking to kind of like what feels right for your brand. So I think we now do like a, um, again, try and do it um, every few months, but like a, taking a step back, like we take, like turn off the computers, like sit back, to look at the brand and like, what is the values of our brand? What's the message of our brand? And are we still getting it across? And are we, what of our latest products really showcase this? And or are there are there some that just don't fit and that don't make sense for us? And has our marketing been on 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 target? And you know, and it's and I think it's really important sometimes to step back and do that. And I think I've got a lot more confidence in our collection and our and and what we do and what we do well and what we should stay away from. And I think I'm a lot more comfortable just saying that's fine. It's just uh, then you're looking for another brand, you know, you're looking for another supplier. If you want neon, that's fine. Go somewhere yeah. else. So it's not so much that like you've had to learn the skill of making the stuff, it, not so much that like you've had to develop your taste or your eye, but just that you've had to develop the skill of listening to that. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, I think that also comes with the confidence of having like the confidence of time and age probably of just um I think you still have that like imposter syndrome a little bit. I mean you have it mm. I think it's it's hard to escape when you set up your own business, especially if someone's not business minded and didn't really intend to do it. So you're suddenly like, Well, I, I have no authority to I don't really know the answer to these things. It's just what I've learned and what I feel. But I think I'm much better at trusting my instincts. Um, and also being trusting your instincts and 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 knowing that they're just instincts because I think I I remember as a few things like looking back working with kind of customers that didn't necessarily feel right or big stores that did lend, end up going a bit pear shaped and it's like I I felt like I had to have I guess better qualifications to mm. to to make a decision and actually I'm like. I feel a lot more confident being like, no, it's my business and it doesn't feel right. So it's a no. And that's it. I don't need to, I don't need to explain. Do you need any more reason than that? Yeah. Yeah. Because actually when I look back at all the decisions that have gone, you know, most of the things that are the collections that have done best or the um, decisions we've made, um, I, I generally have made them instinctively within the first few seconds. And, I, and they're the ones that you might then spend ages trying to decide, but you've already instinctively made them. I just trust, I trust my gut a lot, a lot more than I, I probably should have done that earlier. I read somewhere recently, I'm trying to rack my memory to see where it was, but it was someone was saying that like basically the, the reason male or the big like high CEO males are so successful is not actually because they know more than anyone else. When you actually get to know them, they're not all that much like smarter than anyone else. They're just very good at trusting their instincts, making decisions. And even if it turns out to be a mistake, not taking that personally and just moving on and making more decisions and being really like, I don't know if it's courage or slightly like... Confident or like... Yeah, confident. (laughs) Yeah, there's a fact, there's a line, right? Yeah, but but it's interesting that it comes so easily. When does confidence become arrogance? It's it's a, yeah, it's a tricky one, but I've heard the same things and and um, especially I think there's kind of a lot more conversations about that sort of thing now with males and females in in business. Um, And I think certainly amongst my friends, I can see that we just, I think generally I've always been someone to, I think about something and then I, even though I like to say my, I've got a very strong gut instinct. I don't necessarily think I always 
I think I used to then build the package around or build a decision making package around the thing I'd already decided about. But I felt like I needed to have some sort of backing. Yeah. Actually, I guess I'm probably like, I don't have the time to do that now. So I'm just like, I'm going with this, what we're doing. And that doesn't feel right. Don't like that. Or <laughs> with a little more conviction now. I love that though. I just, and I, I like to hope that we're modeling that like to our kids and maybe making it a little bit easier yeah. for the next generation of people. Because I do think as creatives, especially, it's a. So it's a a real issue, this kind of lacking in the, the confidence and lacking in the self-belief that the vision we have of something and how it should be yeah. can be trusted. Yeah, and I think it's really hard also when you, like say, when you do something that's so personal to you, like I even noticed it in, with, um, you know, Rory could do, do something, but because I've designed it, I'm the one that takes it more personally. If something doesn't go well, he'll look at the figures and go, you know, this isn't, this doesn't do well or this, this, or, and it's like, I take that personally, but I think I'm now getting better at being like, that's fine. That just wasn't for them. Or, you know, I, or realizing like you missed the mark on something because of X, Y, and Z, but, and, and kind of, and that's when it's really helpful to go back to those kind of like brand days where you kind of look back and go, maybe that wasn't, you know, are we, are we still on, um, is that on brand? Is that on target? Does it feel right? I think it normally comes back to do it doesn't feel right. Yeah, it is. It's because our work is an expression of ourselves and it can be really, really easy to get caught up in like it's a rejection of me instead of it's a rejection of one tiny facet of my work. Yeah. Um, so, so talk to me about ceramics then. This is new. It is, yeah. So I, um, again, I, th- I think it was kind of pa- mainly post, um, it was post lockdown, but also um, post, which is when I actually did that. What the other thing with you that the the Instagram thing with you? Basically, we had some business mentoring, which was really really good, and it and it kind of came down to which really really helped me. It was the start of last year, start January twenty two, um, and it was really really helpful and it was kind of we started it as a bit of a marketing. Um, we were wanting help with marketing. It turned into kind of this like yeah business therapy mentoring kind of thing um and she was really good at kind of being like well you know all of those things will come if you if you get back to doing what you love if it's mm. if it feels right to you um this company started everything kept coming back everything i said everything you know everything all the bits of paperwork we were doing all the spider diet everything kept, kept coming back to um feeling right and this the love and actually the things that have felt right the things that you've really liked um, when you do it with um, with real feeling, it generally turns out better. So mm-hmm. um, she was like, don't worry about how you're going to market that. Don't worry about how you're going to, um, I don't know, package that and get that to your stores in America. Don't worry about how you're going to. She's like, just, just do the thing that you like. And then, because that's how the business started really, was just yeah. what I loved. And then I was like, oh, I've got business. Oh, shit. So, and, and almost the naivety of it, because you didn't know to worry about how to get it at places, I guess. Yeah, or... it was exactly that. It was so I was so naive. And I um, and I think the problem is with time is you, you do start to get more, um, you think about, um, you know, how you're going to market that, how you're going to do this, how you're going to do that. And actually, when it comes to the design process, it has to go back to the start of like, what do you want to do and what feels right? And I was having a real like uh, like a real need like a sensory need to kind of make stuff like rather than just doing like like obviously with stationary design it's a lot of flat it's a lot of paper it's it's um as three-dimensional as it gets is a book you know like it's it's generally print mm. graphics and 
I just wanted to physically make something with my hands. Like I was really like, I got really into like gardening and cooking in lockdown. And it was like, oh, I just want to, I just want to make stuff. I was like, what can I make that will go really well? And, um, you know, I was like, I've always absolutely loved ceramics. Um, we've decorated ceramics before. We've never, I've never actually made them. Um, and so she, that through that therapy and all the business mentoring through that with her, she, I just kind of was like, you know, what, I'm just going to do it and see what happens. And I did a, um, enroll myself in a beginner's course at um, a local uh, ceramic studio, and I just absolutely loved it. It was like the best. Um, it was like therapy. Like my head was just so calm. Like it was absolutely lovely. I loved it. So I was like, you know, nothing else. This is like, <laughs> this is like coming to meditation for three hours a week. <laughs> yeah. um, and it started pretty much like that. And I, I was then like, I absolutely love this. Can we somehow make a, make this into a, you know, make this make sense financially as well? And I've, it's never going to be a, a, you know, a really profitable thing. But if I can at least fund my habit, like <laughs> fund my. <laughs> So if I can go and, you know, make ceramics and then and then sell some pieces and make some pieces like I'm never going to do kind of huge, big mass production stuff. But I just really like to be able to make a collection and then see how it's received and hopefully sell some pieces and then make some more. And um, and I've now done three courses and I've got little collection that we're literally going to be launching in the next few days. So, um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a very like labor of love and just kind of the hardest bit has been to decide like which bits are we which You're gonna part with. Not, yeah because i think oh, even <laughs> the ones that are you know they've got their their quirks i quite like um, yeah and it's yeah it's going to be interesting i've got no idea how how it'll be received but if if it all goes horribly wrong then we've got loads of new mugs for the shelf and if it... <laughs> <laughs> and christmas presents sorted yeah, yeah. exactly Exactly. So yeah, um, every launch, I love this because every launch is an experiment. Like, and, and when you've got an established record of success, it's really easy to lean away from those experimental launches, isn't it? And just repeat the things, you know, yeah. work, yeah. but then there's no innovation happening and there's no creativity. And I guess like I'm picturing someone finds you for your ceramics and then that opens them up to the rest yeah. of your products. Like it becomes a whole new facet to your business, even if it's not like you say, the main thrust of kind of profit. Yeah, completely. I think the thing is, it's like, it's going to be one of these, it's going to be a hobby that I want to continue with um, either way. So it's just like, it doesn't necessarily need to be profitable. If it's just something that gets me in a kind of like, away from computer design into something, making yes. something, it's like, uh, you know, it's that you'd, you'd, you'd pay as much to do like a yoga class or something. So it's just, it's like that, but you come away with something to kind of keep and, 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 and maybe sell, but hopefully I'd love to make it into, I'd love to make more and more of them, but I don't want it to ever become something I'm making, you know, churning out loads of cups to, for the sake of it. Like, I think I don't want to lose that element of, I've made this cause I love it. And I've made this cause I felt like doing a twisty handle on this one. And, you know, hopefully people will, enjoy the fact that every single one is a one-off I, I see a ceramic studio of your own in your future you're going to have a kiln in your kitchen <laughs> <laughs> it's a gateway drug yeah, it could well be but notebooks in the corner <laughs> <laughs> um final question then I have for you is for hmm. people listening who are maybe at an earlier stage of their journey or maybe they just kind of have a bit of a that feeling of like I think I could start a business I could sell my work but I don't know where to start or if I've got the courage. Yeah. Have you got any advice or words of wisdom for those people? Um, 
Yeah, I think it's hard. To, I mean, I can't, I, I can relate it to myself more so than ever. I mean, there's loads of advice that I was given that, you know, there's quite a lot of the same sort of advice of, you know, trust your gut and, and be true to yourself be true to your brand. I think that's really important, having your unique identity and really making sure you listen to that. Because in the first few years, they'll when you start, you'll be seeing other people's stuff and you, you need to, there is no point trying to replicate other people's stuff because mm. it's just not going to work. Like it's out there already. Like you need to be as original as possible. And obviously people follow the same trends and that, you know, there is certainly, um, there's overlap. Um, but I think if you can find your niche that works really well for you, I do think it's it's the only way to really compete, finding what you love, finding your niche, and then pouring your heart into that. And then you're, then hopefully your audience will, will see that. Um, and I think sometimes it's, I wish I'd just not been, I think it's harsh on myself sometimes in the early years, it's like, oh, mm. did this wrong, I did this. And like every single bit has been a stepping stone to learning something new. Um, and I think you kind of have to go through those those peaks and troughs kind of in equal measure to yes. try and to get resilient to the world of business. Um, I think also for me, like depending on what you're like as a person, I needed some, you know, stability in that, although it was only me at the start, like I still needed to, I didn't just delve straight into it. I had like a part-time job I was doing to just get money. So I did had the, it was like, I wanted this to work, but I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to bite off more than I can chew. So if you're a similar person where you can't necessarily, you don't want to put all your, um, life savings into a business that may or may not like that's a bit dragon's den for me. Like I was very much like, I like this. I want to create it. Um, you know, I'm working part time to pay the bills, but if this works, and then, and then I feel like it's led a little bit more with your heart than, than panic or mm. when money gets involved and things start to the stress of that, just pressure, yeah, much pressure, and and it, and you need to let it kind of, I think, for a real like truly authentic and truly for longevity, I feel like a brand really needs to find what they love, find their niche, and let it let it kind of evolve over time don't rush it to be like a multi-million pound business so just just find what you like keep keep kind of plugging at it and that will evolve and change and um yeah you might find yourself making plates in 13 years time <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then who knows where in another 13 yeah, years for exactly. you like it could be anything exactly but I think that like, although like I say it's a completely different medium I feel like if you see like when we launch our stuff you can see the overlap it's just it's clearly like it's just yeah like the style I like but in a cup or it's your voice yeah or the same as like you come out and I'm like me and Rory both end up like walking to school and we're like walking to boys to school and we're like we're dressed the same and we've got like <laughs> exactly our brand colors on it's just like I feel like those things actually are really important they're kind of hilarious but they kind of you do if you're not true to that and you're not it just gets exhausting and I think you you need to yeah find what you really love and find what it sits well for you and then um just chip away at it slowly, I would say. But that's, like I say, my kind yeah. of slightly more cautious, the organic method. Just hearing you say that and thinking, so I'm teaching a Substack class at the moment and there's so much of the same thing of, you know, people want to be able to write in the voice that they they kind of know that they'll have mm -hmm. and they want to know what things to write about that their audiences will like. And we kind of want all those answers up front and we, we're so resistant to making the mistakes along the way, but that's exactly how you find it. It's exactly the same process, isn't it, of like going off course helps you recognise when you're back on course yeah. and 
it's an uncovering and it has to be chipped away at over time. You can't have all those answers before you start. Yeah, completely. And sometimes you have to, you know, we got, we went slightly, of course, with a, not of course, really, but we, we changed our a uh, couple of envelopes or something because we were like, honestly, during, during, um, you know, a couple of years ago, things were really tight and it was like, we, we can't afford to do that. Like, they're so expensive. The pro- the price of mm. up. And then it's like you realize that actually those customers are like, you know what, that's what made the, that card really special. I can't like, I don't want it anymore. And then you're like, oh, we've made a mistake on that. We need to bring that in and change it. Like that. But it's like you sometimes you're forced off course a little bit because of, um, you know, financial restraints or pressures in other ways. Um, but I think it's okay to, yeah, learn from that and then just go come back to that. Always kind of carving out time to like saying going to the gallery that you feel like is a luxury carving out time to sit back and just write out in your diary what do you what do you stand for what do your what do your values do you is your do your latest products shout that do they say that and i think that can keep you on course even when you do deviate slightly yes do you know what i love so much of the advice you've given today and just so much of you reflecting on your story it's kind of runs so contrary to a lot of the messaging we get about what a good business quote unquote is in terms of like capitalism like look at what's most profitable and make more of that and like things like these values never come into it really but they they are the thing that's made you a success these haven't been things that you've done for you at the expense of your business these are the reason your business works and I do think that's going to be true for so many other people and I think sometimes if you do always chasing the profit or chasing the kind of like from like you event obviously that's important and it has to be brought into it but it, I think if you're constantly going for yeah the the capitalist view of like max profit all those things I just think you're, you're never gonna build a brand that's got longevity of something that yes. has really got truth to it because it's always going to be constantly changing onto the next fad or the next trend and um for me, that's but that's yeah the, the nature of I think our business. We're not the latest, you know, app or tech thing. So it's probably it probably sits well that those kind of values probably are more common in a stationary company than they are in a tech company. True. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose there's, there's some places where you have to be a little bit more cutthroat. <laughs> so, Katie, where can people find more of your stuff online? Uh, so our website is katielemon.com, but it's uh, lemon is with an A, so it's L-E-A-M-O-N.com. Amazing. And the ceramics, I don't know, if we get this episode up quickly, they might still be there. We'll see. <laughs> or they might have all sold out by the time people are listening. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you. This was so awesome. Show notes for this episode are over on Substack. It's new. It's exciting. Click the link in the description here in your podcast app and you will be brought over where we can have a conversation in the comments. And also, of course, you can find me and Casey over on Instagram and talk to us there. It's been lovely hanging out with you guys again and I hope we can do it again soon. Have an amazing day and I'll speak to you soon.